0: As you join us again this morning, we want to say thank you for being here. Thank you for continuing to listen to our ministry. Thank you for sending us emails and texts and letters and notes of encouragement in what this ministry means to you. As a pastor, it lets us know that this ministry truly is helping people and encouraging people out there. Once again, thank you for that support. Thank you for those who's beginning to partner with us financially and help bring things to the next level in this world and what God is trying to do. This morning, we will wrap up what we call the Uncomfortable Gospel Series. Today, we are looking at a message dealing with the uncomfortable victory. If you live out the uncomfortable gospel, you will be victorious. However, as we will look look at this morning, it may feel like defeat sometimes i hope this message will give you what you need for where you are in your life today if you have your bible turn to first kings chapter 19 and let's see what the lord says So sometimes the ultimate victory can kind of feel like defeat in some cases. Now let me read you a couple of verses here. In chapter 19 in verse 1 it says, and we're going to look at this, let's look at verses 1 through 4, Ahab told Jezebel everything that happened, what Elijah had done, and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So verse 2 says, Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, may the gods punish me and do so severely if I don't make your life like one of them by this time tomorrow. Then Elijah became afraid. Yes, the man who prayed down fire from heaven was now afraid. The man who by himself single-handedly took a sword and killed over 800 false prophets was now afraid and immediately ran for his life. Underline that in your Bible, ran for his life. When he came to Bathsheba that belonged to Judah, he left his servant there, but he went a day's journey into the wilderness and he sat down under the broom tree and prayed that he might die underline that in your Bible, prayed that he might die. There's three things here in this verse. It says that he was afraid for his life. He was, look at it right here, verse 3, he was afraid for his life, he ran, and he prayed that he might die. Now, this sure is some Mickey Mouse, mully grub, and defeat for a man who had just prayed down fire from heaven. Matter of fact, He's the man who prayed and the heavens were shut up. Now, if you go back in the beginning of the story, Elijah prayed that there would be no rain, and for three and a half years, there was no rain. So a man that had enough power had walked with God enough to pray that the heavens were shut up, that three and a half years later, when he resurfaced in God's time, and may I say, then he prayed and fire came down from heaven. And when the fire came down from heaven, in the anointing, he... Defeated all of the false prophets. Now that's pretty much a man's man. Wouldn't you say amen? Wouldn't you say that's a man that's walking with God? Wouldn't you say that's a man that had just conquered it all? And now all of a sudden the next day he's afraid. He's afraid. He's running and he's praying that he might die. You ever been there? You ever been there? You see, many times the greatest defeat is followed on the heels of the greatest victory. I'm going to say that again. Many times the greatest defeat is followed on the heels of the greatest victory. Matter of fact, if I didn't want to be such a naysayer, I would entitle this sermon The, greatest, the, the, the Victorious Defeat, which in itself is an oxymoron. Victorious and defeat, can the two walk together? Absolutely not in human's perspective not in our human mindset but in a, in in real life in reality it walks together And I want you to understand something today that I don't care whether you're striving to walk with God, build a business, strengthen your marriage, strengthen your family, no matter what you're doing. I am telling you that if you will live out the uncomfortable gospel and you will build your house upon the rock and if the Lord Jesus Christ will be the foundation, you will have victory. But I am telling you that maybe, just maybe, your greatest victory will lead you to a place of despair. Are you out there, church? Say amen. Now when we think about this you think I'm on top of the world. How did that happen? It catches you off guard Not only was elijah on top of the world He was literally on top of the mountain and on top of mount carmel. He was king of the mountain He conquered them all he conquered them all But the next day he was running now for a long time I've had preaching points that would say stuff like this. Well, you know, Elijah was such a great man of God, but he let one demon-driven woman completely put him on the run. And we look at Elijah in the reverse antithesis of what really happened, and it begins to lead us down the wrong pathway. I want you to understand something, that when you have led and walked and led people to a victory like we're seeing in 1 Kings chapter 18, like you're seeing many times when people win the Super Bowl, when they become olympians when they lead a business through a a, a process of victory many times they have nothing left and they are at their lowest moment physically emotionally and psychologically even though in the physical realm they're at the highest place are you with me It's taken everything to be victorious, and many times we're completely depleted. I mean, this dude had prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed, and And now all of a sudden, he prayed fire down from heaven, and he killed 800 people. He's pretty depleted, wouldn't you say? And so the next day, he's thinking, oh, finally, finally, I can take it easy, only to once again face adversity i want you to understand something today church that when you live out the uncomfortable gospel it is not a one and done can you hear me church say amen it's not make a decision and walk it out and say i only have to take this stand just this one time and the whole world will know where i stand no sir no ma'am i want you to know a devil's going to come looking for you every morning and if he's not looking for you it's a good chance you're going with him but i want you to know something that when you purpose in your heart that i'm going to follow God. I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to honor God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, with all my might. I will tell you that all hell will sell you and some days you're going to feel defeated some days you're going to want to cut and run, some days you're going to want to head for the hills you're going to want to hide out in a cave but I want you to know something my brothers and sisters in Christ that at that moment we need to have resolve that we be steadfast, unmovable unshakable always abounding in the work of the Lord. Can you say amen? Are you picking up what I'm putting down church? The ultimate defeat. Jezebel was defeated. She was being vindictive. I'm going to do with Elijah the same thing that he did to my prophets. And in this passage of scripture, it becomes so overwhelming. The defeat led to the defeat. The defeat of the enemy that led him to victory led him to defeat. I mean, is it? can you believe that these same words are coming out of the man's mouth who sat down by the brook of cherubim till it dried up? If you go back in the beginning of this story and waited on the Lord and trusted God and trusted God that a raven and unclean animal would come and feed him. This is the man who trusted God to not deplete the widow's oil and meal in her house until the time had come. This is the man who, when the widow's son died, stretched himself out across the corpse and prayed, and life came back into the boy again. We're not talking about some casual believer. We're talking about Elijah, the victor, the victory. They come to him, but now he's succumbing in defeat. You know what's crazy? That when you get to a low point, the littlest thing is your breaking point. The littlest thing is your breaking point. I was pondering on this point this week. That whenever I had walked through that severe storm in my life and I ended up going into the place of an emotional breakdown, the smallest thing is what led to the break. A thing that should not even have mattered to me was the breaking point. A thing that should have been irrelevant should have been the breaking point. You know what I believe it is? I believe it's God's way of saying you may have just had a spiritual victory, son, but you need to realize that you're just human and without the supernatural indwelling of the Holy Ghost of God welling inside of you every day and springing up like the fountain of the living water flowing out of you every day, we are helpless. We are powerless. We have no power within us to be victorious except through Jesus Christ. The smallest things. I look back on my life at that moment today and I'm still puzzled. I can't believe after all that I had lived through, after all that I had been through, after all of the brokenness, after all of the betrayal, after all of the abandonment, after all of the pain, after all of the sleepless nights, I'm like, really, Lord, that's what got me? Are you with me? That's where Elijah was. Really, God? I just prayed, fire down from heaven? I just single-handedly conquered 800 false prophets and one message from Jezebel is going to make me want to die? Dang. When the victory feels like defeat. It'll happen if you're living out the uncomfortable gospel. You know why it feels like defeat? Because God measures differently. God measures differently than the way man measures. Second thing, the dismay. Verses 5 through 9, let's read it. It says this, Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. I just want to die you with me you with me now I'm gonna lay down here and die I don't raise your hand but there's some of you that have walked through valleys that have been so overwhelming you have probably prayed Lord can you just take me home Lord can you just Lord can I not wake up in the morning Lord can I tag out don't raise your hand but I bet I'm not the only person to ever prayed a prayer like that. Lord, it seems like it would just be easier to die today than to face tomorrow. See, that's, human, that's man's perspective. But let me show you what God's perspective is. See, that's when we're in a spirit, we have a spirit of dismay upon us. Look at what it says here. And suddenly, when he's praying to die, guess what? An angel touched him. When I was at the end of my rope and I couldn't go any further down, I thought, Lord, just promote me to glory. Can I get my promotion now, Lord? I feel like Jesus, when he prayed in John 17, Lord, just just bring me, Lord, just let the glory come back. Lord, just bring me back to that point. All of a sudden, he touched me. All of a sudden, the angel of the Lord touched Elijah. In my life, he touched me and he made me whole. Now, look at this here. It says, and the angel told him, get up and eat. Get up and eat. And then he looked, and there at his head was a loaf of bread baked over some hot stones and a jug of water. So he ate and he drank, and he lay down again. And then the angel of the Lord returned a second time, and guess what he did? He touched him. He touched him. And he got up and he ate. He said, Get up and eat, or the journey will be too much for you would somebody underline that in your bible would somebody highlight that on your smart device we have this myth being propagated and it's propaganda that if you walk with god it won't be too much i'm telling you that life is too much and if we are not feasting on the nourishment of jesus christ through the holy spirit today you say why doesn't an angel bake me a bread of loaf why didn't he bring me a jug of water oh i'm glad you asked that question but because the Bible says in the New Testament that Jesus said I will be the bread of life any man that eateth of this bread will never hunger again are you out there church I might just clean me off a spot and preach a spell because then he says I'll be the living water to the Samaritan woman he said if you will drink this water you'll never thirst again I am the bread of life I am the living water Jesus doesn't need an angel to do his business because if you you're a believer, you have the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. Say it with me, church. I have the indwelling of the Holy Ghost inside of me. That is a fountain of living water, that is a bakery that never runs empty. The bread is always fresh, it's never stale, it's never, it's never has maggots, it's never has mold, it never has any of that because it's renewed fresh day by day. You're looking for an angel when he already sent his son you're looking for an angel when he indwelled you with the spirit of the holy ghost oh my goodness he said i'm dismayed i can't make it he said get up son get up this meal has got to take you a while so he ate and he drank and in the strength from that food, he walked 40 days and 40 nights to the mountain of God. I'm telling you that maybe God's trying to get us to the end of ourself, to the end of our rope, so we can get to the place where we're willing to die to not just, when you're willing to die to yourself physically, you've already died to yourself emotionally, you've already died to yourself psychologically, and it's in that place that God says, I believe I can do something with you, because you've got nothing left physically. You've got nothing left spiritually. You've got nothing left emotionally. I believe I can perform the ultimate resurrection in your life and bring about the ultimate victory. Are you out there church? I believe that God is getting us to the end of our place in America and we will get desperate and you will realize that I'm telling you a casual Christianity will not cut it. That many mouth devotions are not sufficient. That we must walk with god we must walk in the spirit we must walk in the anointing god's trying to get us to understand that being a citizen of the united states does not make you spiritual god's trying to get the church to the place where we quit looking to the government we quit looking to the president and we start looking to the one who conquered death hell, and the grave, we are dismayed because the world is going to hell. And God said, let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. Because in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I wouldn't have told you so. And if I go away to prepare a place, I'm not just building in vain. I'm coming back for you. Can you say amen, church? That's two points. When you get filled with the supernatural spirit of God, he'll take you from praying, Lord, take me home. To Lord, let me bring some people with me. Lord, let me tarry that I may leave a mark. Let me tarry that I may impact your kingdom. The third thing I ask you to write down was the delusion. The delusion now be careful here before you think negatively about elijah because i know what you're thinking this guy has little faith no he prayed he prayed and god fed him every day by a bird he prayed and god never let the barrel dry up he never let the oil run out he prayed and it didn't rain he prayed and it did rain he prayed and fire came from heaven He prayed and he conquered all the false prophets. When he was at his lowest moment, God fed him food that let him go 30 days, 40 days. And you're thinking, he still has a lack of faith. Well, I'm telling you, he's done a whole lot more for you than what I just read. And yet we still have a crisis of faith. We still have a victorious defeat many days. We still walk with a spirit of being dismayed because of the delusion let me show you why elijah that this bread didn't solve his problem because it says here then the word of the lord came to him and it said to him that's what we need church we need a word from god we we need a word from god and here's what it said what are you doing here oh glory to god you see, God prepared him supernaturally with bread from heaven that carried him 40 days, but it carried him in the opposite direction that God was preparing him for. Now, you know you in trouble when God comes to you and says, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? The word of the Lord came and said, what are you doing? I wonder what would happen to us if God came to you and said, "What are you doing?" What are you doing? Young know, people, what are you doing? What what are you doing? Why are you believing a lie when you have the truth? What are you doing in this back seat? What are you doing in this shady business deal? What are you doing in this casual relationship not with a somebody but with me? What are you doing living as a casual lukewarm believer? when i've given you all the victory he came to him and said oh what are you doing and elijah replied here's why here's the delusion i'm not making this stuff up verse 10 he replied i have been very zealous for the lord i think we can say amen, amen. but the israelites have abandoned your covenant they torn down your altars They killed your prophets with the sword, and I am the only one left. And now, God, look, they're wanting to take my life. I'm going to tell you something, church. When you start living out the uncomfortable gospel, you're going to feel like you're the only one. Are you hearing me, church? When you live out this book, you're going to feel like you're the only one. They're going to make fun of you. They're going to mock you. They're going to ridicule you. You're going to look at people and you're not going to be surprised that it comes from the heathen. You're not going to be surprised that it comes from the lost person. You're going to be surprised when it comes from the people who name the name of Jesus and go to church every Sunday. That you're going to be surprised when they say when you're going through a time of prayer and fasting and somebody who's been in church their whole life says, "You're taking this thing a little bit too far." You're going to be surprised when you clear off the word of God and you stand and you try to live out the word of God. You're going to be surprised when they come to you and say, "Now God really didn't mean for you to take that thing literally." He wanted I want you to have a little bit of fun. Oh, yes, he does. And I'm here to report today And at 18, 19 years of reporting for duty day in, day out. I want you to know that there's more fun in his camp than there ever was in the camp of the world. I'm telling you today, it's time that some of us rise up and get back down to the enemy's camp and take back what he stole from us and say, I'm declaring if I'm the only one to enjoy the victory, I'm going to enjoy it. I'm the only one left, Lord. Verse 10. And then he said, God said, Go out and stand in the mountain at the Lord's presence. And at that moment, the Lord passed by. And a great and mighty wind was tearing at the mountains, was shattering the cliffs before the Lord. But the Lord was not in that wind. And then, after that, there was an earthquake. The Lord was not in the earthquake. And after that, there was a fire. But the Lord was not in that fire. And after that, the fire, there was a voice of a soft whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and he went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave and suddenly a voice came to him and here's what it said. Elijah, what are you doing here? And here's what he says. Lord, I've been very zealous for you. But the Israelites have abandoned your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They killed your prophets with the sword. and I'm the only one left. And they are looking to take my life. And then the Lord said to him, go return to the wilderness. Well, let me just stop right there. That's my last point. I'm telling you that it is such an event such an event, a, a geological event happens. We're not talking about a gentle breeze blowing across your backyard and you sipping some lemonade and you're I'm talking about a wind sweeping across that mountainside that was so fierce it was tearing the rocks away from the mountain. There was falling rocks. Are you picturing that? Are you picturing that? He gave this report of delusion. And God said, what are you doing here? And when he doesn't have Elijah's attention, here's what he says. He sends an event that is so fierce that it rips the rocks away from the mountain. And God's not in that. And it's so fierce that the earth begins to quake. It's another geological event that it's now separating the earth. Are you with me? But God's not in that. You see, we looking for the big wind. We're looking for the geological event, but God's not looking to move in our life in a geological event because if he was, he would have moved in the wind, he would have moved in the quake, and he didn't move in the fire. Another geological event because he began to consume everything around him with the fire. And then when the wind had stripped away and the earth had divided, and the fire had consumed, and he elijah was standing in the scent of ruin and the scent of the ashes god shows up and it still doesn't break through to elijah because he comes back with his cookie cutter remark that is the exact same he says i'm the only one left i'm the only one left and look at what god says I ask you to write down the last word, which is determined. Because God was determined to not give up on Elijah. Look at what it says here in closing. Verse 15. Then the Lord said to him, Go and return by the way you came to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you are to anoint Hazel as king over Syria. And you are to anoint Jew As king over Israel. And Elisha as a prophet in your place. Circle that in your Bible. Prophet in your place. And then Jew will put to death whoever escapes the sword of Hazel. Elisha will put to death whoever escapes the sword of Jew. Look at verse 18. But Elisha, I've left 7,000 in Israel. Who have not bowed their knee to Baal. And have not kissed him. Now why don't you get up and do something. The last part is my. My part added. God was determined to show Elijah. That regardless of what the circumstances around him said. Regardless of he was having a pity party. That God was moving. God was pressing in on Elijah. To get him to understand that regardless of what happens, he was still the victor. God was determined to bring the victory. God is determined to bring the victory in your life if you will let him. As we wrap up this sermon this morning, maybe you're there at home. Maybe wherever you are watching this video. God is speaking to your heart. Maybe you've been walking through those uncomfortable pathways and uncomfortable victories. Right where you are, God is wanting to do something new in your life. What may seem like the end for you may very well just be the new beginning into a new chapter. If you would just stop for a moment and begin to pray and ask the Lord, God, what do you want to do in my life? Lord, what is it differently that you're wanting to do? Ask him to lead you, guide you, direct direct you, and then pray. And in praying that out, follow what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. If family of grace, if we can help you in that process, it'd be our greatest desire. So please reach out to us and let us know how we can bless you.